Welcome back to today's episode. As we close out of October, having reviewed shows like Goosebumps in the Fall of the House of Usher, it only seems right to remain in the horror genre while discussing Netflix's new limited series, Bodies. The first episode of this British mystery thriller, You're Already Dead, runs 55 minutes, introduces multiple timelines, a handful of main characters, and a conspiracy by an ominous group with a portentous catchphrase, Know You Were Loved. But before we delve into the story, was that DC Comics that I saw credited in the intro? Yes, they produced the graphic novel back in 2015. And so by episode three, I should expect to see Batman and Superman <laughs> jump into here and no, start I think kicking some ass. Different universes, but I was surprised. Wait, different universes? Yes, because I'm surprised to hear you say that it's horror because I, I read the whole graphic novel and I didn't get horror. I got more of what you were talking about with the other genres. Yeah, yeah, Mystery, yeah. You're thriller. right. But like Netflix released this in mid-October and if you just saw the title, Bodies, and you saw that the first episode was called you're already dead and it just kind of had a sinister backing there there are dead people in the show yes. but it is more of a mystery it's definitely not the same thing as the fall of the house of usher which i've been keeping up on and that is just a bloody mess well maybe we're going to talk about the dead body really yeah. fast because in the comics at least for the first issue and i think the uh the issues are like eight uh for the graphic novel same amount of episodes for this have you read them uh yes i, I read the full graphic novel for sorry it i missed that okay wow yeah. okay and so it's the same dead body that pops up in four different timelines at least for the first issue of the comic is that the same way with this yeah show? We're, we're jumping into it because like in the first few minutes i thought this just took place in the present it's 2023 you got detective sergeant shahara hassan she's a muslim single mom hard worker she's at this like alt-right rally that's yes. working um to like prevent the protesters from going nuts she notices this kid is just staring and then she's like suspicious about that and and then she sees he has a gun runs through the alleyways trying to catch him he leads her into um i guess this place called long harvest lane and uh that's where the dead body shows up right yeah so this is very much like the first scene of the comics the only difference is this was 2014 and again the graphic nice. came out in 2015 so, they moved it so yes exactly. yeah, yeah yeah so it that was the 2023 storyline and then suddenly we're going into the past so that was cool and all the transitions into the past were cool because i didn't know how many we were going to get <laughs> so 1941 so suddenly you're in nazi europe it's it's there's bombs going off in uh, england uh, detective charlie whiteman he's jewish got a pencil mustache he's a womanizer he habitually like flicks a lighter that's his like you know mm -hmm. back in the day right. um neo-noir type thing he's actually a double agent he doesn't just work for the police he's following orders from the shadow agency and they actually tell him to go pick up a body in the same lane that uh detective sergeant shahara hassan has just and one thing that happens before hassan finds the body during the protest was that there all the lights went out like an emp mm -hmm. P, like an electromagnetic pulse had like taken them all out yeah same thing happens in 1941 it's really rainy and dark so you can't really tell but all the lights burst and then he goes into the alley to pick up the body and he stows it in the back but it's the same body yeah and then we get transported back to 1890 i just wanted to jump in really fast you said it was 1941 that's the second time change from the comics which was 1940 is 1890 at least the same yes okay so yeah we had detective inspector alfred hillinghead at this point you know what going on they're all coming across this body in long harvest lane the body itself has several features that are specific to it so you know it's the same dude i guess he's got a wrist tattoo with three lines and then like a cross at the bottom of it a hole in his left eye a laceration on his forehead he's been drained of blood so either he was killed somewhere else or someone like dexter style turned him upside down <laughs> and just drained him before they put him there um and he's got no bullet in his brain so this alfred guy in 
Alfred Hillinghead. He's he's a detective inspector as opposed to a detective sergeant. I think it's just the difference in time periods, and maybe that's how they were um, yes. distinguishing each other. Beard, top hat. He's friends with a pathologist. They actually show you the pathology report being done at the same time in 2023 with the autopsy there. Oh, it's, and, it's a side-by-side side Yeah, it's thing? a panel thing. <laughs> and so you're able to learn that the guy does not have a bullet in his head. So they're not exact. He obviously died that way, but there's no exit wound. Mm -hmm. So they're very curious as to how exactly it happened. The thing is, in the present timeline, Shahara is led to believe that the kid that she was chasing may have shot him. However, she is actually sympathetic to the kid because he seemed really nervous. He ran away afterwards, and his name was Saeed. And so the entire episode, her uh, plot is to find him with the rest of the police force before someone else does and kills him. This, because, is, this yeah. is very much like the comic, and I'm surprised because when we've done other comics such as Paper Girls or American Born Chinese, twists in those comics, I remember you say, are given away within the first episode or things that happen issues later are, are brought up in the first episode. But here it seems like this is pretty faithful adaptation. Very, very much so. Like all this stuff that you're talking about happens in issue one of the series, which I guess makes sense because like I said, eight issues from the graphic novel, eight episodes, maybe they're just going like panel by panel or mm -hmm. something like that. Because the symbol that you're talking about as well on his arm, the three uh, three lines and then the cross, that is definitely from the comics yeah, as well. Yeah, they keep showing it. Um, the events that proceed finding the body and the ongoing investigations aren't necessarily uniform throughout the time periods, but certain things remain the same. So the body remains the same. The lights bursting remain the same. Um, the fact that they're all police officers remain the same. Huh. But like how the investigations turn out, they're all different. So as I said, Shahara spends her time trying to find Saeed. They find out that he has a sister. And so that they go through her. And because she's also Muslim, Shahara uses that connection to gain her trust. Then he contacts her, Saeed does. They meet at a mall later on that day, and um, or, or it could be the next day. And then uh, that's where he kind of commits suicide. Because at first, he commits suicide? Yeah, so he shows up with a gun, and at this point they have a trace on her phone, which she's used to contact him. She sits down with him. They have a little chat. He tells her there's a lot of stuff she doesn't understand, but he had to lead her to that body. And then he stands up, pulls out his gun, and you can tell that he wants the cops to shoot him. But then she saves him. And then he's like, uh, I still have to die. And he pulls out the gun and shoots himself. Oh, in the all face. right. So that's a little that that does not happen. <laughs> yeah. Saeed is basically there to warn her that like she has just stumbled upon something that is not a normal thing. It's a science fiction thing. She may end up time traveling. I don't know what, but like he is there to kind of be like, this is fate. You were meant for this one mission in your life and now you have started it. Sounds right? like he was there to kind of exposition. And everybody, everybody gets sort of a warning, except with Saeed's, he starts it off by being like, I shouldn't have brought you into this. But then later on, he's like, I had to bring you in on this. So in 1941, right, Charlie Whiteman, the same guy who was hired to, or not hired, but told to pick up the body. Mm -hmm. So he knew it was already going to be there. He sticks it in the back of his car and he's transporting it in the dead of night. But because there's an anti-Semitic uh, other colleague of his, they pull him over and they're about to check the trunk, but that's when the Germans decide to start bombing England and London again. And so he's uh, he gets he gets blown up. The, okay, so that's guy, how that's how the explosion happens. Because there's yeah. an explosion in issue one, but it's definitely not just like war suddenly breaks out out of nowhere. The funny thing about it though is that Charlie obviously had something against this dude. He had a grudge against the mm -hmm. guy. And he's put in charge of the investigation to find out how he died. 
because like Charlie gets the hell out of there and he's not able to get the body out of the trunk. So he just leaves the next morning when the detectives are all around there, they put him in charge of the investigation <laughs> and they're like, you have to figure out. So he opens the trunk himself and he's like, oh my God, there's a dead body in here. And then he gets a call that says uh, the people who told him to get rid of the body, they were like, no, you were loved. They were really pissed off that the police now know about this body. So that's his warning of like, oh shit, you fucked up. So yeah, at the at the end of the first issue, Charlie in, in 1941, the like the explosion happens and then he just sees that the body is there. He didn't know about it prior to, I guess, uh, him picking it up. And he didn't go to car. Long Harvest Lane and pick up that no, body? No, he didn't know about it. He just kind of was like, oh, suddenly there's a dead body here. And that's how the, it ended. Uh, we uh, haven't touched upon one timeline, right? Well, we're still talking about the 1891 because that one also exists. We have Alfred. He spends the episode obsessing over this gay journalist who is taking pictures of the body when the police found him. And so Alfred ends up arresting this guy under suspicion of either conducting the murder, but also for taking pictures yeah. of gay people, yeah. well, including himself. And and then getting uh, he gets the warning later on that the image that the guy took of the dead body, there's a reflection in the image in the image of a different person, and that's going to be his main lead, Alfred's main lead. So that's that's the hint that he's given. But the no no no, the pathologist recognizes the guy, and he's like, just pretend you never saw this. You never mm. want to speak to this guy. Drop this investigation quick. So there's Alfred's warning. However, the 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 homosexual plot line where it was like that's illegal back then. Like there's a lot to get into with that, but it does feel like in 1890 you've got the queer storyline. In 1941 you've got anti-Semitism. In 2023 it's Islamophobia. Every and also like police being bad because they got itchy trigger trigger fingers. Yeah. So a lot of social. Uh, messaging but that's that's all from the comic is it okay all right well they definitely don't ignore it here and unfortunately to me i feel like even though it might have existed in the source material they lay it on pretty thick but i think the storyline that you're talking about is what they say for the very end of the episode where again i was expecting 2023 when 1941 showed up i was like oh okay we get two Uh storylines when 1890 popped in there i was like oh my god wow there's three here and then when 2053 came along at the very end of it (laughs) i was just i was pretty floored like i honestly didn't think that they were going to give us another storyline particularly since you've got iris here and she finds the body in the same way she calls it in but then the body wakes up the guy's still alive whoa that's actually a lot different than the first issue. He's still dead in the in the first issue of the comics. Yeah. So wait, twenty fifty three. He's still alive. Just just really fast. How do they portray twenty fifty three? Like what do what do, do they have like text yeah. saying it or is it? Oh, of course they have the text saying it. Um, but but it's the defining feature of twenty twenty three is that you have talking Teslas and terrible haircuts. Like, you barely get a chance to see it. So so it's only like three minutes of of twenty fifty three. Technology is like front and center. But you can also tell this is on a budget. And also the haircut of this lady is just so... The style does not make any sense. <laughs> this It looks so bad. It, they gave her like a bowl cut. And there's no way in... that, that Like half a bowl cut. Uh, there's no way that that's going to be the future. So I, I, was, I was immediately put off by that. But she finds the body. The guy wakes up. And it's, it's a shock for everybody. 
And I can get into my pros and cons now, but is that the way that the graphic novel, like the first issue ended? Well, no, no. The first issue ended with the 1941 story, or the 1940 storyline. Okay, but so they went through a few issues. Yes, the, the yeah. thing that I thought was coolest about the graphic novel, and it doesn't seem like the show was maybe able to replicate, was that every single different uh, time that they switched, yes. uh, it, it had a different style. No, of, no, no, of no. Cartoons. Of course they were. So my pros, I want to get in my oh, pros. Okay, okay, All right, yeah. so the transition between the timelines was slick. The fact that they, I told you, it was a surprise every time. The introductions and then the parallel scenes where we got to see both autopsies happening mm -hmm. at the same time. And then like every time that we saw the body uh, get found and the lights explode and stuff like that before that, it's like, let's do this again. Let's yeah. try this again. <laughs> Just straight up from um, Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Like, especially by the 2053 one, because you knew exactly what was going to happen. But then he popped up and he was alive. So that was what was cool about that. Are you introduced the to Bounce in 2053? What? Bounce. A bounce. There's a character named Bounce that I think, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that you weren't introduced to them no. because it seemed like it, I, when I read the kind of the summary for this episode, they aren't going to be in the show, but they were such a big part of 2053's storyline. They were a little yeah. kid. I think Ooh. that it was like a teaser for what 2053 is going to become. I think episode two is going to go crazy into it. The, cr the contrast between the timelines, which is what you were just addressing, yes. between the visual color filters, the sound and audio that they decide to keep uh, for those time periods, the props, the building the cgi slash sets they recreated the same area this is what they had to do um because they had to keep on finding the body <laughs> but then they had to keep on changing it just enough so that there's that gap um uh, of time uh, wherever from the future or the past it to still make it recognizable but also set it apart four <laughs> different times the street lamps kept changing whether they were electric or if they were like halogen based or any of those other things it was also cool to see the costuming because you got the top hats uh the custodian hats for the police back in the day um and then of course the autopsy i keep on bringing that up because they literally show him just cut off the guy's skull pull it off and then be like whoa look at the brain <laughs> like it just plopped um, and then it, I found out, which was shocking, in the 1890s storyline, sort of based on real events. Right? Wait, wait, what? Yeah, so, okay. I didn't even get this one. In 1890, right? This is the reporter guy, right? Yeah. So his name is Henry Ash in the story, but he works for a paper called The Star. And The Star is a real uh, newspaper that existed back then. Because I was curious how he was going to do photojournalism when photojournalism really didn't take up. Like, they did, used to do drawings and papers and, and inscriptions and stuff, but they wouldn't do, like, photos. They weren't able to show those until a little later on. So that part never made sense to me. But the Whitechapel murders were a very real thing from 1888 to 1891. In fact, the star probably coined Jack the Ripper, who killed a bunch of women. Oh, yes. No, in fact, they they, uh, they say Jack the Ripper, I think, even in the comics. Yes. Like, this is, yeah. So this is slightly based on that thing, but as if Jack the Ripper existed maybe throughout time, like he's killing the same body. Mm -hmm. It also feels very much like dark because you've got a foreign drama. It's jumping timelines, almost 30 years each time, past and present. You've got mystery bodies appearing in parallel investigations throughout time. A kid in a yellow raincoat, a didn't mention him yet, but Saeed talked to a kid in a yellow raincoat at the mall before he met with uh, Shahara, and she's able to determine that by looking at security photos, and it's clear that he's going to have a pretty big, like, that's her next lead. And then there's a mercurial uh, group that is, like, knows about it, you know? 
they know about this dead body and they're trying to prevent it from, I don't know, doing stuff. Every single person that's compared this show to Dark. It's, <laughs> it's so much worse than Dark. Dark oh, is an yeah. amazing no, show. No, but, well, I mean, people seem to really enjoy this show as well. It's, Other ones but I... it's like comparing a police procedural to like The Wire. Like, you, you can't do... No. <laughs> or do you have any other comparisons? Because I have some listed here. Uh, I have a few more pros and a few more cons. Um, it's it, The based off true events was was a, a pro for me. And then the place at the mall where uh, Saeed gets shot mm-hmm. is called Muffin Lovin'. That's the <laughs> restaurant. And I really like that. <laughs> I, I tried to look it up to see if it was real and I couldn't find out. Um, the cons, though, I do have a few of those. The research department kind of shit the bed a couple of times with yeah. this. So in 1941, Newsies were phased out. They had been phased out, I think, for decades at that point. And yet you see, to introduce you to that time period, a newsy girl. Which, again, newsy, <laughs> newspaper hawkers were normally boys. But the rare ones that were girls wouldn't have existed past the 1920s because newspapers had started home deliveries by then. And I just, it, that felt like it was in the wrong time period. Like, they could have done that one in the 1890s as opposed well, to 1941. Sense, yeah. And then in 1890, the fingerprinting. So he's he at the aut- autopsy thing again. Um, Alfred has brought in the body and he he starts to take the guy's fingerprints and the um, pathologist looks at him weird and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, you'll see this is going to be big in the future. And it was such a corny nod because, again, they didn't exist until like 10 years later before people really pioneered that movement. And then later on, the photojournalism thing that I was talking about, where the printing press limitations for 1890 made it so that, like, you couldn't put images on there. And also, if this guy was taking photos of the body close up, he would have to get on the ground with his camera. And if you've seen cameras from the 1890s, if they were outdoor at all, which would be a bad idea with the lenses, Mm -hmm. they would not be moving around easily, like getting on the ground. They would be on tripods and they would be stationary and you would not be looking at things on the ground. And yet we're getting like a close-up view of the guy's face from the ground and that's where you see the reflection in the in the mirror and i don't think that they the the images were good enough back then to get what we were getting here so that's where i thought that the research department was giving us just a lot of crap that we had to eat up um the other thing is that um we live in a world of hundreds of procedurals we've done a ton of them for the podcast hundreds of episodes all trying to show dead bodies in peculiar ways right a guy with a gunshot wound with no bullet isn't that interesting? But I mean, he's showing up in different timelines. Yes. That's the main. That's the main thing. But that alone, in a show like this, doesn't. I don't think it creates enough mystery. Huh. And then you have that sinister group that causes Saeed to off himself, the pathologist to shiver in his boots, Charlie Whiteman to like work for them. It's been burned so many times. So many shows have tried to create this ominous, scary thing, and then when they finally have to define it. It comes across either corny or unnecessary or just like show me. I I just I'm very cynical that I don't think that they're going to be able to make it very interesting. And so why should I care? You know, I I like sci-fi. I like mysteries. I like the time travel part of it. But but that and then on top of the fact that it does feel like you've gotten overexposure of the same themes like when a show aspires to be different because this clearly wants to be different. Yes, don't dawdle in the conventional messaging of like, oh, you've got a bad guy who's anti-Semitic and this guy's Jewish and your main character being the good person and the bad guy being so clearly cut. In so many ways, there's, that's nuanced in real life. And it just feels like this show is trying to simplify it 
almost like comic books do. So I understand then the connection to DC. So those are my ma- major points of... Um, what would you give the show overall? Cause five out of ten. And okay, so I'm assuming then you're not going to watch the rest of the no, series. No, I'm not going to. Okay, that does surprise me a little bit because like I said, it's gotten pretty good reviews. 7.5 on IMDb, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience score is 74%. Uh, and the creator of the show, Paul Tomlin, said that uh, he he wanted to make a show that was going to give you all the answers by the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's always kind of what people are scared about whenever a show like this comes out. Sure, it does end I think on a note where it's like this could be the uh, the fine like a limited series. If it's trying to be dark, it should be a limited series because you don't want to leave it open ended where the shadow agency could exist in another phase. I, I guess it's existed so long. That, like, again, unless you have immortal characters besides this dead guy, right, is is the the shadow agency has to be like generation after generation after generation of these people who've worked for it. Well, I, getting into the future of the show, it was about like I think early last week that Paul Tomlin said that he would be open to doing season two, and then like two days ago he came out saying that season two was never in the works. It was always pitched to Netflix as a limited series. Again, it was the source material was basically going to be used up, but because the show has done so well viewership wise, people are speculating that it could be a situation where Paul Tomlin doesn't have anything to do with season two, but Netflix renews the series anyways. I feel like you've said similar things about other shows recently where it's like they should come to a natural conclusion and then they're going to take it like they're going to do a sequel to it or something. One show you haven't mentioned though is the Lazarus Project, and I thought that you were going to maybe compare it. So to much this. better, the Lazarus Project. Go watch that. That the, is well, that the, is insane. The director fun. of the first four episodes of the Lazarus Project is the same director who did the first four episodes of this. Yeah, but the Lazarus Project da- tackled themes of like loss and what you would do to like bring back people and how human that can be. This, it's just again, a, it seems like almost a procedural that has gotten just an extra twist. Like I could have seen seen the the storyline on Law and Order where they're just coming across this body. Uh, when the guy wakes up and starts talking, I'm sure there's going to be extra motive to want to watch this. But right now, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I just don't feel have that feeling yet. So that's why I'm giving it just a basic five out of ten. Very mediocre to me. I think it's got as many pros as it does cons. And yeah. Yeah, C. Spencer and Dean Orson, they're the people that created the graphic novel. I know that C. Spencer died in February 2021, and Dean Orson, I don't think, has anything to do with this show, but Paul Tomlin didn't even want to create this show for the longest time before they were able to get an actor and character who you haven't mentioned yet, who isn't even in the graphic novels. Uh, and once they were able to get the actor, there, that's when they were like, okay, because I didn't he's really supposed- recognize anybody, but I know that they're all probably very British and have done a bunch well, of stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, Shira Haas, who played Iris Maplewood, her breakout role was in the miniseries Unorthodox, which came out in 2020 and will be in the next Captain America film, I think, next year. Maybe that's her actual haircut then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oopsie. All right. Well, yeah. Um, the funny thing about the 18 or the 2020, 2053 storyline is it's the only one right now that I don't know what the phobia is. Because again, <laughs> queer storyline, you know, the Semitic storyline, Islamophobia, um, it, maybe techno? technophobes uh people who are afraid of technology i i I don't know also ds charles whiteman i'm surprised that you said you don't know him because he was in endeavor but he was also in strike back 
Playtowns, The Queen's Gambit, uh, Star Wars. Oh, no, I know who he was in The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like her first crush, I think. Mm -hmm. But again, he's got a pencil mustache and he's playing older and he's playing from the 1940s. Like he literally was wearing a trench coat in one scene. (laughs) And when he went back to his car after they was he was put in charge of the investigation right before he found the body in the in the trunk, um, supposedly found. But he like went back and had to grab his lighter from inside the back of the car so that people (laughs) wouldn't realize it was his car. That was probably my favorite storyline out of the four. And I wouldn't be opposed to jumping to the last episode of this. To see, okay. To see what that shadow agency is all about. Mm -hmm. But um, it would be funny if like by then, like it's just unrecognizable, the TV show. They're all in space. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.